Okay, people. So, we've got another two-part episode this week on Echo Chamber. In part one, just a couple of joints for you. But, interesting. Interesting. And in part two, we got a little history. We got a little history in part one, too. And in part two, we got some history and an interview. So it is, you know what I mean? It's flavor like we bring you people. But as we always do, let's start off with a look at the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 21st to the 23rd of October. So at number one, it is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. This is from Anthony Fabian, and he co-wrote with Carol Cartwright. Starring Leslie Manville, Isabel Huppert, Lambert Wilson, Albert Baptista, Lucas Bravo, and more. At number nine, it is the new Olivia Wilde joint which is written by Katie Silberman, Carrie Van Dyke, and Shane Van Vyke. It is Don't Worry Darling. Starring Wild, Florence Pugh, Chris Pine, Harry Styles, Nick Kroll, Gemma Chan, Kate Berlant, Timothy Simmons, Sidney Chandler, Kiki Lang, um, Ariel Satchel, Monroe Klein, you know, at number eight, people, it is The Woman King, the new film from Gina Price Bryfroyd, right? It is written by Dana Stevens from a story from Maria Bello, starring Viola Davis, Busso Mobedo, Lashana Lynch, Sheila Atim, John Bayorga, Hero Finds Tiffin, Jimmy Odeyuko, and another wealth of talent. At number seven, people, is Ticket to Paradise from Ollie Parker, who, um, co- who mm, co-wrote it with Daniel Pipsky. It's starring George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Caitlin Deva, Billy Loud, Lucas Bravo again, Maxim Butler, Vanessa Everett, you know. Um, so at number six, we've got Decision to Leave. This is from Park Chan Wok, who co wrote with Say Kyle Jong. Um, that's yeah, that's all I know. It's a a crime drama mystery, strong violence, it says, crime scenes, sex, domestic abuse, you know, I imagine it's subtitled, right? If it sounds like your jam, there you go, right? Now we're in our top five, Um, and at number five, people, it is Halloween Ends, the last part of David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. Um, he co-wrote this with Chris Bernier. Um, it's starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Carl Richards, Andy Matachak, Stephanie McIntyre, Will Patton, Nick Castle, James Jude Courtney. 
and others right at number four it is smile from parker finn who directed and wrote starring sosie bacon jesse t usher kyle garner carl penn caitlin stessy judy rays rob morgan Gillian zinza um at number three lyle lyle crocodile so will speck and josh gordon direct written by will davis based on the books from bernard wabba we got constant woo javier bardem scott mcneary brett galeman sean mendez winslow fegley sal viscuso don di pata uc jupiter yeah and a lot of other people at number two it's the banshee of Inishan. right this is written and directed by martin mcdonough starring colin farrell brendan gleason kerry condon uh barry keegan pat short Gary Linden, David Pierce, Sheila Fitton, John Kenny, and Bridney Nietzschein. So at number one, surprise, surprise, people, it's Black Adam. Jamu Colette Sarah directs, and it is written by Adam Shishkul, Roy Haynes, Rory Haynes, and Shurab Noshavani, starring Viola Davis again, uh, Dwayne Johnson, Sarah Sachi, Pierce Bronson, Adias Hodge, Noah Centineo, Odella Halevi, Joseph Gap, and a bunch of others. So, people, that is the top 10. Let's get into this week's films and get part one underway, shall we? Okay, people, so let's get things started with a little bit of horror. It is The Retaliator. Okay, people, so... I've just got round to checking out The Retaliators, right? I've been horrendously ill for the last few weeks. So some things just, ah, it was difficult getting stuff out. But um, yeah, so apologies, Justin. But I checked out The Retaliators, people. This is the new film from Samuel Gonzalez Jr., Michael Lombardi, and Bridget Smith. It was written by Darren Gear and Jeff Allen Gear. The uh, film is then produced by Lombardi and Alan Kovac, uh, along with Mike Walsh, and line produced by Roy Corakan. Music is from Carl Dixon and Michael Steen. Joseph Hennigan handled the cinematography. Brady Bricker edited everything. 
Roz Fulton and Christine Cromer looked after the casting. Um, production design is Sean Seiger and Fernando Valdez. Art direction is Caitlin King. Costume design, Brittany Ann Cormack. Um, makeup, effects, all that jazz. We've got Michael Connor. Vincent J. Gustini, Alfredo Howard Keck, Shannon Ray Mulligan, Casey Musman, and Orr Musman, and Eric Yoda. And our cast people. Well, Michael Lombardi is also starring in the film as... Um, Oh, shit. What is homie's name in this? So, Pastor John Bishop. That's correct. Pastor John Bishop. I mean, it is a little on the nose. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, he's got two daughters. There's Sarah, played by Katie Kelly, and Rebecca, the younger one, played by Abby Haffer. Um, his wife who, yeah, I think we've seen flashbacks and whatnot. It's played by Megan Noon. Um, and his sister, Aunt Judy, is played by Cree Kelly. We've then got um, Detective, right? Uh... Jed Sawyer, right? He is played by Mark Menchaker. Um, do, 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 do. Now, uh, who best? Uh, well, let's go with Quinn Brady, who is played by Jacoby Shaddix, right? Um, there's Ram Caddy. Played by Joseph Gatt. We've got Vic. Played by Ivan L. Moody. Fang. Played by Zoltan Baffaroy. Um, Tommy Lee is a strip club DJ. We've got Arlo Garcia. Played by Craig Mabbitt. Um, da -da -da -da. Doom. Got uh, Max played by Spencer Carnas. Arlo is played by Brian Alvarez. Um, Officer Kelly is played by Dominic Costa. Police Officer, uh, there's another police officer, Brian Gallagher. Um, doo -doo -doo. Erica is played by Amanda Leib Amanda Leiberg, right? Um, okay, Cynthia, who I, I think Cynthia is a friggin' Jed's wife, right? She is. Played by Gigi Gustin. Got April, played by Corey Graham. 
Um, Debbie, played by Shannon Wilson. I think there are major people, really. I think, I feel right. I feel that's right, you know. There's a lot of people because this film also features a whole heap of musicians, right? So I mean, you probably recognize some of those names. Um, now, some of the other people involved are Chris Kale, um, Jaya, Amanda Lieberg, Matt Brandyberry, Danny Case, Lance Doodle, and Matt Midrio, uh, Corey Marks, Dan Murphy, Miles Franco, Yeah, they're um they're also involved. I don't know the bands, so I you know you know there's probably a lot of people that watch this and be like, oh my gosh, that's thingy. I have no clue, people. Tell you the truth, but yes, they are all in it. Now, the film tells the story of an upstanding pastor. Right, John Bishop, an upstanding pastor whose faith is tested when he uncovers a dark and twisted underworld while searching for answers surrounding the brutal murder of his daughter. Which I don't know if we can really say he uncovers a dark and twisted underworld. Right? He come he he comes across some grimy ass shit for sure. Dark and Twisted Underworld, I'm not sure about that one. But we start off, right, with a couple of girls driving, and then one of them's like, oh, I think we should go down this road. I think we'll take, let's take this, which, you know, never, it never ends well, right? Many a film has started this way, Many a horrible situation has started this way. So we have that, right? And, you know, they're driving, and then all of a sudden, now it's basically nighttime. They get a flat tire. So one of the girls gets out to deal with it. Right? So she's dealing with it, and we see someone run across the road. We she hears noises and she's looking around, you know. Now, the thing that gets me in this whole scenario is firstly, I feel if you're driving and you're girls, you're not gonna be looking to take some silly routes because this kind of it's not just being reported in films, but it's in real life, you know what I mean. I, I, I feel, look, there's always going to be one or two dum-dums, but on the most part, girls are looking to be sensible, you know what I mean, doing these sorts of things. And then, if it's dark, you'd have thought the other girl would be out the car holding a torch, 
right? Or if not, in the car, window down, talking to a friend. But it's just like, man, fuck her. She can, you know what I mean? Uh, which that whole thing just seemed odd. But yeah, so girl gets grabbed, and it's just like, yo, so these zombies are out here, and everything's going crazy. And then a guy, you know, a monster comes for the girl in the car. Then someone chops her head, his head off, and he's just he kind of breaks down the situation. A little bit, right? But then he disappears. He gets grabbed and disappeared. And then we jump to church, right? And uh, do we jump to church? Hmm. No, we go to a dad with his daughters. I feel it was the dad and his daughters in the Christmas tree. Getting Christmas tree, or he might have gone to church and seen him as a part. I forget, but we've got these different scenarios. No, we've got therapy. We're there. There's a therapy session. You know, one of those in therapy session. Like, there's a lot going on. Right, we jump around in these different timelines of this story, which it's not necessarily confusing confusing but I, it could have been handled slightly better I feel you know um it's yeah there's a lot of things that go down in the retaliators that you do feel is a little obvious like you'd be like well yes obviously Right when the, the the daughter, and it's no surprise because it's in the synopsis. You know he's searching for the killer of his daughter, right? So when the the oldest is like, "I want to go to a party," and he he finally he's like, "Fine, you can go." Gives her a curfew. Right, you. It's either gonna go two ways. She's gonna go crazy, or something's gonna happen where she was doing nothing. Right. So you you kind of feel yeah, there's. Two, there's two scenarios here which could occur and then as soon as we like this one thing happens you know then where this bit will be going right but a lot like we get into certain points but before we've got to that point there's already been some sort of craziness has happened so it's just kind of like piecing the bits together to see where everything falls into place. That's essentially what this is at times, you know, which is fine. But you are left, because, you know, after seeing all the zombies at the beginning, you are like, how do we get to that? Like, what's going to create that? Because we have nothing so far that's getting us to that bit. Right. There's then there's this whole like motorcycle drug gang kind of beefing all going down, which feels a little bit just it's a bit much. Right. Is it? Is it? Because, you know, it's just like this was unsanctioned. What's happening? 
You know what I mean? Like, all of this is happening. And on top of all of this, we're then getting flashbacks from the policeman, right? Jed Sawyer. We're getting his flashbacks to, like, what things that have happened to him. Why he's, like, um, you know, the way he is when he goes to speak to John. There's a lot happening, right? And, and you're seeing this stuff, and it's just kind of, it's very gnarly. It's very gnarly, right? But special effects are like special effects are very good, right? Everyone involved with that needs to give themselves a big round of applause because to show like a gun shell through the face, like you're looking at it and you're just like, yo, what the fuck? What's this? this is insane, right? Looks super realistic. I mean, I say that. I've not seen that shit in real life. But looking at it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I think that's what it must look like, right? I feel, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't necessarily want a first-hand experience, but I feel that's what it should look like. So special effects were just crazy. And the acting was very good. You know, no shade on the acting. The acting was freaking solid. <coughs> you know, um... Freaking Lombardi is John Buship. Compelling, you know, was likable, you know. He's as a pastor, he he is one of them one, he's one of the cool ones, you know, gets rock bands playing in his church, right? He's one of these cats. <laughs> uh Mark Menchea as Jed, you know, Detective Jeff said, really good. Really good. Um, Vic, right? Vic Caddy was very menacing. <laughs> like, very menacing. I, I mean, the whole thing with that side of things is, what's the motive? Because everything just kind of went all over the place, you know? So there is that, and... Yeah, we, we've got the, uh, you know, his brother, Ram, right, who's, you know, again, really good. Like, the acting was solid. The girls, you know, Sarah and Rebecca, uh, John's daughters, both handled their thing very well. Uh, it, like, Tommy Lee did seem like a convincing friggin' strip club DJ. You know, so every, everyone involved was very good, you know? Oh, the, 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 I mentioned special effects earlier. There's a bit with an eye, which, uh, ooh, oh, fuck. Then also, like, we get, you know, blood all over. There's a bit when this blood is just pooling in the, the, uh, closed eyes and, and it's just like oh man that's so gnarly just I mean it was, it's not real blood but just having to do that scene and it'd be like right we're gonna pour the stuff on your face you know what I mean all right action and you have to be just be oh it must be just dreadful <laughs> it must be fucking dreadful so the vibe of the film is really good. 
the acting really good, special effects really good. I think, right, if you are a fan of this music, you'll you'll dig it because I was like, yeah, there's a catchy beat, right? It's not necessarily always my look, and it's like there is some rock and stuff that I do jam to. You feel me? But I'm I'm not fully a mot like Motley Crue, Five Finger Death Punch. You know, I mean, they're not really my thing, right? I'm not rocking to that stuff. But as I said, if you were a fan of the music, I think you'd probably dig the soundtrack and the music used within the film and all of that kind of jam, right? It's just the story's a bit all over the place, right? And the ending, it gets kind of, it gets fully crazy. Like, it's one of those, you know when you see them, they do those things in films, right? And a character will pick up something very um, uh, obnoxious, not obnoxious. Um, fuck, my words, where have they gone? Uh into it feels it's very insignificant, right? And it's just like, why would they be picking that up? But you know, that means that thing is gonna play a part in the film later on. You know what I mean? It's, it's always a thing, and be like, hey, nice new knife, and be like, yeah, I don't really bring it out, I just leave it on the side here, you know. And then later in the film, it's a big fight, and they're in the room, and he's got no weapons, he's falling back, and you see his hand go towards the side, and you're like, okay, he's gonna grab the knife, and that's how he survives. <laughs> you know, there, there is some of that, right? A chipper, or just there's these things that we see, and you're like, okay, that's gonna get used, and it does get used, right. But, which is kind of corny, but the effect, it did look very good, right? It did look like, and you're just like, oh, fuck, man. Come on. Oh, no. I need to see that. Oh, shit. And losing teeth and just, uh, there's some gnarly shit, but it did look good. You know, so although the story is a little bit like that, there is some satisfaction, right? There is those there's these scenes and people get their comeuppance and all bits and bobs like that. And you're just like, you know what? I knew that was coming. But yeah, still. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You were still like, and that's especially like, you know, there's a scene at the very end you know how it's now going to play out because it's kind of a reflection of a scene earlier in the film. So you know what's going to happen, but it did kind of feel good when it did, you know? So although The Retaliators is a little cheesy, a little, man, it's full Edam, right? It's cheesy as a motherfucker. Effects and acting, very good. Music, you're going to probably dig it if you like that thing. So I will say... For this kind of revenge horror kind of thing, it's cheesy, but it's satisfying, right? So if you're looking for something to watch, you want to get a little bloody, you want to get a little crazy, and while doing it, you want to listen to some rock, then people, the retaliators, 
is probably for you. And guess what? You can also buy the soundtrack. So I think I'm going to put all the links to that stuff in the episode. So, um, yeah, people, go have some retaliators fun. All right? Okay, and we're bringing part one to a close with a look at a really fascinating documentary, right? It is Eternal Spring. Okay, so it's, I have to say, right, it's a real blessing to have a lot of PR agencies hit you up with stuff, right? And there's times when, you know, there might be something which you're like, I don't know if I've got time, right? Or something else. And they, you know, they're like, I think you should watch it. I think you should watch it. <laughs> which is the case with this one, right? Eternal Spring. Um it's uh, like the, the thing with it, right? Because I was de really down to watch it when I first got sent the, the you know, the, the press info. But it's subtitled, which is, you know, it's a problem. It's difficult to read subtitles, you know? Uh, you know, and, and I, like, it, it, listen, if my, if my site wasn't bullshit, I'd, yeah, I'd be all on it. But, man, it can make you just feel shitty afterwards because it's such a strain. But I put it on because it's, it's interesting. Like, sometimes they're a lot slower, right? If people are talking mad fast, it's a wrap. It's not happening. But, you know, sometimes people speak a little slower or it's the, the, the subtitles are big, which is always a blessing. Right. And um, yeah, so I, I thought, let, all right, let me play and see, have a look. And I took a look and they were a good size. Right. They were bold, thick lettering. So I was like, I, I will give this. It will probably take me a lot longer, but I will give it a watch. And I am really frigging glad that I did because. Uh, man, this is. Whew. This is a, like a powerful friggin', uh, it, it really is just a powerful thing. This story is, it, it, it messes you up. It, the story messes you up, I ain't gonna lie. I, and that's not hyperboil people, right? It's, um, yeah, it's, it's really just this powerful thing. You know, it's like historical. It's it's something that actually happened, right? And I think that's really interesting when we find out about these like historical moments which aren't covered necessarily. And, you know, when you're dealing with a, you know... <laughs> A dictatorship. There's definitely shit that's not getting covered. So Eternal Spring 
is directed by Jason Loftus. Um, he also produces it along with Kevin Coy, uh, Yavan Pinard. It's executive produced by Masha Loftus and consulting produce, production from Sean Farnell. Music is from Thomas William Hill. Cinematography is John M. Tran. It's edited by David Schmidt. Uh, sound is Scott Hitchon, Brett Killeran, and Chris Russell. Uh, the animation is Carl Beachamin, Alex Smith, and David S. Um, Arnett. Uh, and the colorist is Arlene Molka, which, man, like this. It really looks incredible. And like the storyboards were from Daxon, right? Who many people, right, may know because he is, you know, an acclaimed comic book artist. He's worked on like Justice League of America for DC. He's worked on Star Wars when um, Dark Horse had the license and a whole heap of other stuff. Right. So I think that is another fascinating element of this story. Like it's Daxon's involvement in it. Right. It's not just him contributing his art. He is straight up connected to this. Right. So, um, yeah. The gist is this. In March 2002, a state TV signal in China gets hacked by members of the band spiritual group Falun Yong. Their goal is to counter the government narrative about their practice. In the aftermath, police raids sweep Changchong City. And comic book illustrator Daxon... A Falun Gong practitioner is forced to flee. He arrives in North America, blaming the hijacking for worsening an already violent repression. But his views are challenged when he meets the lone surviving participant to have escaped China, now living in Seoul, South Korea. Combining present-day footage with 3D animation inspired by Daxon's art, Eternal Spring retraces the event on its 20th anniversary and brings to life an unprecedented story of defense told through harrowing eyewitness accounts of persecution and incredible artistry. Eternal Spring is an exhilarating tale of determination to speak up for political and religious freedoms, no matter the cost. Right? So... It's 20th anniversary. How many of you have heard of this? You know? How many of you heard of this? Because I will hold my hands up and say, have no clue. No clue. Which isn't a, um, like, it's not that much of a shock. You know what I mean? Because I think... Like when Tiananmen Square happened, 
that was oi i remember that that was so fucking off key so off key just seeing that footage and just like the the just the the violence that happened to these people who were violent who were protest just protesting would not you know what i mean they were uh, peaceful Right, it didn't look like they were doing anything crazy, but the tanks rolled in. It was just, and like Tiananmen Square does not exist anymore. Well, I mean, it exists, but it's not called that. They've changed the name, like it's not in Chinese history, but like they, you know, eradicate this so people, you know, don't pay it any mind, right? In China itself. So everyone knows the outside world. But that's what happens in a dictatorial state. So you think when something horrific like that happens, that other things probably, you know, I mean, people will keep it on the low, right? Because it's just like you understand what the consequences will be. So learning about this is just... It's insane, man. It's fucking crazy, right? It's it's done in such a masterful way, right? It's done in such a masterful way, like because we have this art, which, uh, like, it kind of reminded me of, um, like recent footage I've seen. I don't play the games, but of like Grand Theft Auto, that kind of art, right? But it it looks realistic. Like these people are just captured so well, like so well. And you see Daxon's storyboards and sketches, and it's just brought to life with this animation. It's really good. It's really good. Like it's not like there's certain, you know, there's some animation you see and it's just like, wait, is that real? <laughs> is that video footage or is that anime? It's not that, right? You know it's, and you know it's, um, you know, animated, right? You know it's draw this drawn thing, but it just imbues this realness. You know what I mean? It really kind of pulls you into what you're watching, which is tough because some of the shit you watch is just like just the bits in prison, you know, and it is. It, it, yeah, people it, like this is it is tough to watch. You know, it's very fucking tough to watch because you know, like, it's not one of those things you watch and be like, I know what happens at the end. But you know, right, what is likely going to happen to a lot of these people. You know what I mean? It's, it's not like, oh, well, they're all going to live happily. You know, you know, not everyone's making it out. You know, there's going to be torture. You know, it's, it's going to be pretty fucking gnarly. And when and and so we have this animation we have footage from the time right so 
they actually show some of the footage from the the video played, right, when they hijack the TV, right? So we have that. And we have, like, other, like, pictures of all the people, like, um, you know, big truck and uh, what's my man's name? Liang. Um, so we have, like, pictures. So we know what they actually look like, you know? And then we have, um, like, Daxon go to meet people, right? He goes to meet, uh, you know, the, the, this guy that's escaped to um, um, Seoul. And it's like, wait, what's it? Seoul, yeah, he, he goes to meet him. And it's like... Uh, yeah, so we, we have him, and he meets a few other people as well, right? And when, well, when he meets them, right, he's like, oh, can I draw this scene you're talking about? And you see him, like, draw these things, which is just incredible in, in that regard. But you just also see the emotion. Right, these people having to relive all of these memories, which is when I say relive, right? Because this is this kind of stuff. This ain't like you're forgetting about it. I I am sure that when everyone goes to sleep at night, this shit runs through their mind. Because how the fuck could it not? Right? Some people being in jail for so so long and you and when we see the conditions which they would have been in right these beds these rough beds there's no mattress you know a hole in the middle for them to uh urinate defecate from with a bowl underneath it's just and they're handcuffed to the bed as well. It's not like you, you can just lie in a nice bit. No, they're handcuffed to the bed, right? So you think the condition. So yeah, this will always be with them, but they're, they're they're telling their stories, and the emotion is just palpable. It's oh man, it just makes you just like you're feeling it. You know what I mean? That, that's the power of this. You are feeling everything they are saying. And it is, it gets tough, people. I ain't gonna lie. It gets fucking tough. But it's just so interesting, right? And Daxon makes this point because he's, you know, he draws superheroes, right? He draws fantasy. But he was just like, you know, because going in, he kind of resented all of this, right? Because he's like, look, by hijacking the TV, you're going to put so much pressure on everyone. You're going to make the situation worse. So there's a, there's a part of him that just wasn't down with any of this, right? So he looked at it in a certain light. But after talking to everyone and learning 
a lot of the stuff that went down, he's just like, yo, these are superheroes, right? These are people that stood up for their beliefs. And that's the thing, people, right? It's when you think, right now, right, you have people on social media going, I'm an activist. I'm going to post this. And I'm going to, there's no danger to them. You know, there's no danger to these people, but they want to try and, you know, grandstand like they're, you know, doing this amazing thing. But all they're doing is doing a post. That's it. Nothing else. They'll do nothing else. But they'll claim that they're just really just these important people. But you look through history, like Malcolm, Martin, you know, Tubman, right? The suffragettes. Like, there's so many that you can highlight and go, yo, that's a fucking G, right? That's someone that doesn't just in silent, in, you know, in the, in the quiet shadows go, yeah, I think this is wrong. You know, but when it all, you know, comes down, they just, you know, turn it back and pretend they didn't see anything or know anything. No, they put themselves on the line, knowing the potential consequences, right? Those people in Tiananmen Square, right? You you look at what's happening in Iran right now, you know? Like, there's girls that will say something on friggin'... TikTok, I believe they're using the most. And it's just like getting arrested, put in jail, beaten up, killed. Right? So you know when you're putting that post out, what may happen to you. Right? And there's a level of fucking strength that not everyone has. Right? And listen, that's no, you know, no shade. Right? Not everyone can do certain things, right? But it's the, it shows you the metal of some people. And so watching this and hearing this story, it is it's something, man. It is something because knowing everything that might happen, and a number of them have already been in jail, right? Had already. I'm going to say jail. I'm going to say labor camps. Right? Labor camps. So it's not this easy, nice situation. No. No, 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 no. So they know what it's like. But they're like, nah, we gotta, we got to tell this message. And, it, and the message, like, I've not heard of Falun Yong, you know, it looks a bit like, uh, is it Fenchi? Like Fenchi? And I imagine, you know, it, it, it's potentially a kind of a meditation, like yoga, Pilates, that kind of thing. It's insane that it's gone, like, it's in a hundred countries right now. Right? But, like, the Chinese government was so, oh, this can, these people cannot do this. Cannot do this. And when you see the pictures of everyone, it, it's like thousands of people in a square, right? All doing this practice, you know, waking up early to do it. 
And it was like, yeah, there's loads of sites where people would meet up and do this thing, which is, it's kind of crazy, right? It's kind of crazy. You know, people go to churches and everything, but this is all outside. So it is, yeah. But this documentary, Eternal Springs, it is so well done. So well done. I'm, yeah, blown away by it. I really am, you know. And it's no surprise, right, that Canada has picked it, right, for their Oscar nomination. But here's the thing. Not under documentaries, not under animation. They picked it as their choice for international feature. You know what I mean? International feature. So it's going to be going up against actual films, right? A documentary going up against a film. But this, this is real life. This is a story that carries so much. So, yeah, I mean, that's a righteous move right there. Now, um, yeah, I, I think it's out on VOD right now. It's just dropped. And um, you'll definitely want to see it, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, as I said, look, it's tough, right? But it's definitely, definitely worthwhile. You know, because it's just, it is so interesting. It's so, and it puts a lot of things into perspective, people. It really friggin' does, you know? Um, like, you may think to yourself, oh, life is tough, you know what I mean? Like, things are too difficult. But when you see, you know, what might be happening to other people, whew, it's... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of crazy. So on their website, they've got where it will be showing, you know. Um, so definitely, definitely, you know, try and hit one of those screenings. Um, you know, it is all over the place, which is great. And I'm sure... It, it, it's going to go even further. So, yeah, just keep an eye out. Follow these peoples on um, social media and all of that. And, yeah, if you get the opportunity, I yeah, you will not be disappointed by Eternal Spring. I, yeah, I'm really thankful I was able to watch it. Trust me, people. All right? So go, go check it out. Learn a little something. <laughs> Okay, people, so before we close the door on part one of this week's Echo, Echo Chamber, let's take a look at what's happening in the world of films. So, right, we are getting a new Saw film from Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures, right? And um, it means John Kramer, right? Jigsaw Killer 
is coming back as well right so yeah another turn from tobin bell in the franchise is being directed by kevin Bruter. um and it's scheduled to drop 27th of october 2023 mark berg and oren coles are gonna be producing so yeah if you're fans of the saw franchise there you go right now damon chazelle right he's got a new film coming called uh, babylon which has been there's been a lot of chatter about this film right a lot of thought that it could be up for the oscars next year right um which paramount are definitely looking for and um you know word has come because it's due to hit um on the 23rd of december right cinemas then you know, starring Brad Pitt, Margaret Robbie, Diego Calva, um, Jovan Adepo, Lily Lee Jong Lee, Gene Smart, Toby Maguire, and more. And people, it is going to be a monster 188 minutes. 188 minutes over three motherfucking hours so um yeah might not be for everyone but there you go right uh jackie phoenix or whacking phoenix even and ronnie mara are teaming up again for a new film called the island right this is from director powell palawaliskis um, and it's based on a real event, and they say loosely, right? So there's gonna be some artistic license for sure. But the event sounds fucking crazy and fascinating, right? So in the 30s, an American couple escaped to their own private paradise on a deserted island and live off the land. A millionaire passing by on his yacht turns the couple into tabloid newspaper sensations, which leads to a self-styled countess appearing with two lovers and plans to build a luxury hotel on the island. As battle lines are quickly drawn, psychological warfare ensues between the countess and the American couple as sexual infidelity, betrayal, and eventually murder takes place amongst the island interlopers i mean right who wouldn't want to watch that that sounds fucking crazy i'm down for that um something other people might be down for is um a, a new version of night of the living dead right and a resurrection of the uh, franchise maybe so, um, yeah, it's being going to be directed by Latoya Morgan, right? Um, and, uh, well, no, she's going to be, sorry. Um, she's, yeah, no, she's directing and um, also writing the project. 
It's being produced by Chris Romaro. Um, Sanderbell Films, Origin Story, Vertigo, and Westbrook Studios. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if um, this will be one of those good remakes or one of those ones where you're like, oh, why did they? Why did they? Okay. So, um, hey, Idris Elba and John Cena are re-teaming up. Right for heads of state, so no word on what this will be, though they are describing it as Air Force One meets Midnight Run. Okay, it's being written by Josh Applebaum and Andre Nemec, and from an original draft from Harrison Query. Right, um. It's being produced by Peter Safran and John Rickard. And it is being directed by Ilya Nashula, right? Who directed Nobody, which that in itself makes me think, hmm, I want to check that one out. Because Nobody was fucking great. You know what I mean? Um, Now, we are Getting a possibility of a new spy franchise coming to the screen, right? Kevin McDonald is um, bringing a spy by nature to the big screen, right? So this is based on Charles Cummings' first book featuring Alec Milas, right? So... Um, is being written by John Hodge and Joseph Charlton. Uh, and it will be starring Paul Mescal as Alec Milas, our spy. Right? So they say the story follows Milas, a delusioned but gifted with deception 20-something who catches the attention of MI6. At work, he's caught up in a geopolitical war on commodities. At home, he struggled to preserve a relationship with his girlfriend. As his web of lies grows, he is forced to confront whether he can be a good man as well as a good spy. Bum, bum, bum. It's been by, directed by Chris Clark, Quentin Curtis. Okay. Now, um... Ant-Man and Wasp, right? Quantumania is coming to our screens pretty soon, right? I think it's next month. You know what I mean? I think it's next month. I believe it is. No, actually, it's February. I mean, that's still soon, right? It's basically November, people. So that's not that far away. Um, but... You know, we know, you know, we've got Paul Rudd, Eva, Evangelina, Lily, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas all returning. Um, there's Catherine Newton. There's John Majors. And now we have learned that um, William Jackson Harper has a role in the film. It's being kept under wraps, though. So... 
Yeah, it's a little wait and see to see what happens with that one. Right, right, right. And I think the big news of the week is everything is changing at DC Films. You know, right. That one of the big ones. Firstly, it's no longer DC Films. Right. It's being called now DC Studios. <laughs> Which is funny, right? Because look, it's you know, what I mean, it's not a secret that DC wanted to get a Kevin Feige kind of character, they wanted to really try and follow the Marvel model, right? Try and capture that same success. So, you know, it's Marvel Studios. You know what I mean? That happened a few years back, right? And now we're getting DC Studios, right? It was the DC Extended Universe. It's now just called the DCU, right? DC Universe, like the MCU. <laughs> but I mean, the real big one is they've, you know what I mean? Because they've tried it. They've had a person come in and it hasn't quite worked. So now they're like, you know what? Two heads are better than one. So they have tapped Peter Safran, right? And James Gunn. James motherfucking Gunn, right? So they will now be co-CEOs and co-chairs of DC Studios, which... Hey, that's not a stupid move, right? That's, that's pretty fucking sensible, really, you know? It'll be interesting to see how it all comes together. They're saying not all films are going to fall under their purview, like the new Joker film won't, which it is a bit like, why? But, you know, it's just how they're doing it. Um... There's possibilities that Matt Reeves' Batman follow-up won't as well, which does make it a little silly, but we will see how this all goes. Right, so I think they've got a four-year contract. So we'll see what happens. Like, listen, Gunn has already done some wonders for them, right? You know, Peacemaker was a hit. Suicide Squad was a hit. He's got, we know he's got some projects also on the bubble over there. So, um, yeah, pretty smart. Pretty smart. So that is us for part one, people. Now you will want to go check out part two. So I said, we've got a little history. We're looking at Polish, um, yeah, a Polish uh, historical figure, right? And the film's called Medieval. And we speak to the writer and the director as well. So you'll want to check that out, people. So I will see you in part two. All right? Peace.